The Smiley Professionals Network presents its first podcast, The Smiley Connection. We'll speak with professionals from all walks of life and across all industries to bring you compelling stories about their career journeys. We'll laugh, we'll learn, and we'll connect. Who knows, you may find your next Smiley Connection on our show. Yali Madad and hello to everyone. It's Reem Merchant, your host. Commemorating Women's History Month, on today's show, we bring to you Azima Dhanji. Azima Dhanji is a co-founder of a social enterprise named Connect Here, led by aspiring youth working for sign language accessibility and deaf inclusion in Pakistan. Having won multiple awards for entrepreneurship, her initiatives have sequentially opened up a gateway for us to connect with hearing-impaired individuals and organizations involved with social advocacy and inclusion of undermined communities. Today, she will talk about her interesting journey. In her own words, Connect here, a journey that I started with my high school friends about five and a half years ago is primarily focused towards making spaces accessible for persons with disabilities, especially the deaf community that uh, oftentimes, you know, miss out on opportunities just because they use a different language and they have limitation of not being able to, um, you know, hear or listen. So, um, you know, this journey, it started as a very personal um, childhood thing because I've been raised by deaf parents and uh, sign language is my mother tongue. So just growing up with my parents, I sort of realized that I am able to understand them so wonderfully and I know how talented they are, how they're able to take care of my brother and I. But the society... the society don't look at, at my parents the same way. And it's probably because there's just a huge gap that exists between the deaf and the hearing community, um, where even the hearing community don't know what deaf culture is like or what sign language is like. And a lot of that, a lot of these experiences, you know, came out of um, just being out there, uh, you know, with my parents at public places where I would talk to them in sign language, and I would see people like you know staring at us or, you know, always saying um, something like, you know, they wonder how we live our lives and how different it is, or they're wondering why we use our hands to talk. And just growing up, listening to a lot of these things and, you know, realizing how my parents can't go for doctor's appointment on their own. Um, If my brother and I are not available, they can basically not have access to any of these basic necessities. And also realizing that my parents are, alhamdulillah, lucky that my brother and I are hearing and we can interpret for them any time of the day, but there are so many families who don't have that uh, availability or if they have family members, probably they don't know sign language or they're not available or they live somewhere else. So it was just like, how can we solve um, this challenge, this gap, and how could we connect the community? And we never thought that we're going to 
like I personally would be taking it as a full-on, full-time responsibility and innovating in the space. It just started as a 19-year-old, really, really thinking about it literally all the time. Um, I was supposed to study for my university entrance exam, but I would be sitting and staring at staring at the wall and just thinking about ways I could empower the community. And we just started a Facebook page to teach sign language. And once we started that, you know, we wanted the hearing community to learn sign language, to be able to connect with the deaf, to learn about their culture. And this Facebook page sort of, you know, just brought the community both deaf and hearing, very close to us, you know, requesting us, demanding us for more services to fill in this gap for Connect Here to be that enabler. And this was 2017. And today what we see has been a lot of iteration, a lot of learning, a lot of answering to people's requests and now making that dynamic change in the country. It is wonderful to hear your side of the story behind Connect Here. Let us talk more about the initial years and the growth of your enterprise. So um, I started Connect here right after my freshman year at university. Um, I was 19 years old. So were my other co-founders, were my high school friends. So for me personally, I don't come from a business background or you know, a family who is in the business space. Uh, for me, it was more about solving a problem in the best innovative way with as many collaborations as possible. I believe that as uh, as as someone who has been very, um, you know, very much into community space, building relationships, working with a community, working with partnerships, from a very young age, but then also not having uh, that opportunity just like handed out to me. Um, I learned to make my way into proving and getting opportunities that Connect Here deserved or that my friends and I were running the company deserve. So when we started our journey, a lot of people, you know, always used to say that you guys are so young and, um, you know, it's a great project, but you won't continue it after you're done with your summer break. So there were a lot of like, you know, perceptions around how we're going to work our, our commitment to the business. And that's the first lesson I learned in my journey that, you know, it's the work and the action that speaks um, for your passion, for your commitment. It's not the words, it's not the plans, the five-year plans, but it's it's actually proving things. And the second thing I learned in my journey was that even if there is no space for what you do, like there was no space for disability tech or awareness for disability in Pakistan at that time as much, you can always create your space, you can always create your niche. And uh, you can do that by constantly uh, proving your passion to the people. So whoever I would meet, I would have to keep the same energy talking about what I believe in and then showing them, telling them about the work that we do so that they believe in it as well. And the third thing I learned very early in my journey was to say yes to opportunities and take risk. And that's a very hard lesson that I learned. So the very first a uh, very humble grant that we got from the Silicon Valley in very, very early days of Connect here. 
that kind of showed me that you know people externally have faith in connectia as well and that was like the first moment i realized that i need to focus entirely on on the company so i had to take a gap semester at that time and you know in our country that's not considered as a very good sign if you graduate late you know it means you won't graduate with your friends you won't you know you might not get the same uh, corporate opportunity if you want to go into the same pathway later on so it was a huge risk but um i took that after a lot of deliberations a lot of uh, you know talking to my friends my family and then that you know risk or that step that i took allowed me to explore the full potential of connectia to travel to make connections to build uh, or formulate more of what our business could look like in the years to come not only that but saying yes to big opportunities also uh means you know if people are coming to you with great ideas and you don't know if you have the capacity of filling in that request don't just say no right away always tell them that you know okay i'll go back i'll think about it and i'll come back to you and this happened to us when we got a request to make um you know a concert accessible in sign language and when that happened you know it was the first time such concept came uh, to us and we didn't know at that time how would we make it happen we have seen it in the west but we didn't know how we would do it in pakistan but we of course you know told them that we're going to come back and we said yes and then we did that um, you know we took that initiative we put put in all our energies into it and when we announced that there's a concert that's happening for deaf people it's accessible a lot of people in our country you know like a lot of comments on social media were like this is such a ridiculous idea people who can't hear how can they how can they listen to music how can they enjoy music um but we showed it to them through the concert which was so spectacular that there were 300 deaf people who were part of that concert but kid you not if you were there yourself you could not tell who in the audience was deaf and who wasn't because everyone was just enjoying music together dancing together and when that happened you know a lot of media covered it forbes covered it a lot of awareness was created ripple effect literally like after that so many concerts happened in pakistan um that were accessible for the deaf community with or without our particular support but other uh, organizations other schools other schools taking it up and that sort of proved that you know if you say yes to like big opportunities crazy ideas you can create a a lasting impact so rather just um you know backing out from it you need to go back think about it and then come you can always take time out to think so i think that was a huge learning in my very early days that formulate me into the person i am today that i don't i don't get scared from big opportunities I always give it my give it my best shot it is amazing to see how impact can be scaled from an idea can you share some of the challenges that you faced while setting this business up absolutely so connector is a very bootstrapped business and it comes from like a like the core idea of solving a problem it's not like a space that was already built like a ride hailing app or a delivery service right it's a very uh, niche idea that was the need of the market and that sort of proved that even such ideas could be um self sustainable and it could create a long lasting impact but of course uh, a lot of this that we understand now that we are able to prove now it wasn't the same five five and a half years ago so it was a lot about you know just 
saying yes to opportunities, but then also figuring out different ways of making revenues for the business to sustain it. So I think that's uh, one great learning of uh, Connectia's journey that when we started, uh, we we didn't have the money to make a website right away. So we leveraged on third-party platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and that was our medium to connect with our end users, with our end customers. And then uh, slowly and gradually, we started providing um, interpretation services. We started teaching sign language in person, online. Uh, we would do videos in sign language. And that was our first you know, major ways of making revenue to reinvest into the business and to build our website, to apply for opportunities, to build our application, and now having the opportunity of, you know, having another revenue streams directly with our business clients, where, you know, the technology and the platforms that we have built, that's very core to connect here, that is now making money for us. So the whole idea is that, which, you know, people don't learn or expect, everyone wants to like build a website as soon as they start a business. But, you know, you can leverage on the third party platforms to uh, start the basis of your business, to build revenue and then reinvest into your business to then formulate, you know, proper website, proper applications, proper technology that brings in more sustainable income in the years to come. So that's one thing that I learned that, you know, bootstrapping works and you need to just have multiple ways of making revenue. So even if one thing, one revenue shoots down, like, you know, when COVID happened, our in-person classes were shut down, but we had other forms of making uh, revenues and we quickly switched towards online sign language classes and that became our revenue stream. So it's all about iterations and, um, answering to the environment. The second thing that we learned in Connector's journey and the business opportunities was, of course, like I said, answering to your customer, your end users' needs and understanding what sort of solutions they want. Um, everyone talks about it. Every entrepreneurship class you'll go to, everyone says that it's about technology with empathy, understanding what your end users want. And we always think that, you know, but maybe end users don't know what they actually want. And that is true. That also happens. But then um, in our journey, I learned that answering to your customers' needs is so core that um, so currently Connector has a technology, the Connector application that connects a deaf user or a hearing user wanting to talk to a deaf person to a virtual sign language interpreter. Uh, on their mobile phones, right? So it's a one tap solution and you click a button and you get connected to your personal pocket sign language interpreter who's readily available all the time, regardless of where you are around the world. And this idea actually came from uh, a deaf person who reached out to us in the very early days of Connect Here. He lived in the north side of Pakistan and we are in the south. And he he messaged on us on our Facebook page actually and he said that you know i need to get a debit card but the bank manager cannot understand me can you please interpret for me and i told him i live in the south i can't travel all the way up north for a five minute of conversation he said no i'll just take you on a whatsapp video call and whatever i'm saying just interpret it for the bank manager i said yes i always do that for my parents why not a deaf person so he went to the bank 
and he called me on my whatsapp and on the video call he was just signing he was telling me how he needs a debit card how he has a job and everything and i was interpreting it for the de- uh, for the bank manager as so the bank manager heard the entire conversation and he he paused and the first thing that the manager said was that this is it he wants a debit card no worries he can definitely get a get a debit card i could not understand he's been coming here for about a year i thought i didn't know what he needed and no worries i'll issue his debit card and we filled out the form and then his debit card was issued within a week and when that happened you know we realized that it's not like the community the service providers banks hospitals do not want to serve the deaf community they want to but there's a huge communication gap and we need to somehow use leverage technology in supporting this um at the best of capacity capability so that's what that's how connector application um came into being the way it is today and very fortunately now we do directly work with banks in in the country who use our technology in their branches in their offices so if they have similarly a deaf walking customer any part of the country in the towns in the big cities they can readily support them and um you know invite them to be part of the financial uh, you know systems so this is like another thing that connector learned and developed in the in the journey that was to answer to customers queries and build a business out of it Taking a step back, we would love to hear about your educational background and growing up years. How did that shape your career path? Yeah, that's a very very good question. Um so I think my my brought up in the education sector as well as within the families really shaped me into the person that I am today. Number 1, I because my parents are deaf very naturally i have been interpreting and having conversation and communication on their behalf since a very very young age right like since i was like 3 or 4 years old i would answer phone calls or talk to my grandmother whenever my mom wants to talk to her so i have been talking and having communication since a very young age and that uh, became a very important part of my journey like i talk a lot um but then also like my parents really pushed me towards having the best of opportunities in within the education sector i went to the alhan schools all my life um my dad was obsessed about it so uh, i went to the alhan schools uh, and i had the best opportunity of participating in any and every competition there ever was and it's also because my parents would always push me towards it like um i would i would remember there would be um you know these four hours long spelling bee competitions and i would participate in them and my parents would be sitting in the audience they have literally no idea what's going on what am i st- saying on the stage because there's no interpretation but they would be cheering for me they would be clapping the entire time and that really motivated me as a kid to always go out for opportunities because i had such supportive parents and then i also got the opportunity to be a part of the yes program which is the youth exchange and study program when i was 
was 15 years old i was i was um, being a part of this program i was a cultural exchange ambassador to the united states so i lived there for about 10 months with the host family went to a host school and uh, really got the best of opportunity to learn from different cultures around me make friends who belong to different parts of the world um, and then also participate in a lot of workshops conferences you know that happened in the states when i was very young and since i've been back from the yes program um you know i got the opportunity to work with the team over here for um you know sending deaf students abroad as cultural ambassadors even very um you know honestly when i when i was a part of the yes in my batch there were actually two deaf students who were going to the united states just like me and i was interpreting for them the entire time so that was like my proper first external sign language interpretation experiences as well, one of the experiences as well. And then when, since I've been back, um, I had the opportunity of, you know, representing yes at different platforms, um, you know, go to Senegal to teach sign language over there. Then I was a part of the Global Encounters program in Kenya. So I again had the opportunity to, um, you know, have a global exposure, meet and learn from people around the world. That's actually the first time that I in global encounters where I sort of understood the concept of social enterprises without knowing the terminology of social enterprises because when I when I was a part of the global encounters I had the opportunity of visiting so many sites where our fund development network works uh, one of them being Bujagali Dem um, you know in 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 Uganda and when I went there I learned how the enterprise model worked I met with founders uh, there was this one lady I think her name is Salima she used she used to work for, you know, these um, countries in Africa where she was building backpacks with solar cells in them so that students can take these backpacks to school and, um, you know, come back home and use those solar cells to, uh, you know, have electricity to be able to study. So such such kind of, you know, impactful businesses, business ideas that I learned during my journey at Global Encounters that I never knew were primarily social enterprises, but taught me so much. And I remember sitting there and being like, okay, so what sort of business that I can do? Um, so yeah, I had, uh, I was alhamdulillah lucky to have a lot of these learning opportunities in my journey, a lot of these camps and experiences of building global networks, first of all, which is so key because when I started Connect Here, these are the global people, these are the global friends who really, really pushed uh, the message of Connect Here out there in support, you know, talking about how it's needed. So it gave me a lot of boost, my Facebook page, a lot of boost, but then also a lot of these learnings that I had from a very young age that somehow in the back of my head were there. And when I started Connect Here came into play as well. It is really nice to hear how your experiences growing up really shaped your ideas and thoughts for your future business. You've been very actively involved in various forms of giving back to the community you're a board member of an organization called the Social Enterprise World Forum. Can you tell us more about this organization and your contributions to it? Of course, um, definitely one of my favorite organizations out there in the world because it was like finding my tribe, um, literally uh, being part of it. Social Enterprise World Forum is a global movement of 
social enterprises that belong to different parts of the world and that are able that are wanting to make profit with purpose like that concept of making an impact in the world um and i remember when i was in my first year at university i went to a business school and this is before i started connect here i was in my one of my classes where my instructor asked the entire class that you know you all joined the business schools i am you know i wonder or i want to ask how many of us over here you know dream about making a lot of money and becoming big business people you know and everybody had their hands up and very weirdly i did not and when she asked me that why don't you want to you know earn a lot of money not like i don't but like at that time i was like no i i actually want to be a social entrepreneur and i don't know why that term came out of my mouth because i've never heard it before but i remember my teacher's remarks where she was like there is no such thing as a social entrepreneur or social entrepreneurship it does not exist and very you know i was naive as well and i did not know if that existed or not and this is 2017 so not also too long ago but that kind of you know remarks always stayed to my head and when i found when i found it connect here and when i found social enterprise world forum i realized that this is not something that i you know that i said out of fluke this is something that exists and this is something that is possible a concept that existed on the world so i joined social enterprise world forum as a speaker talking about connect here for uh one of their um forums um during covid actually so it was all virtual but then very quickly i became a part of their youth advisory group for their youth forums and i was very involved into shaping entrepreneurship social entrepreneurship education and learning and opportunities for young entrepreneurs because i came from a pain point where my teacher did not understand that social entrepreneurship exists so i only wondered how many young entrepreneurs out there think about the social issues want to solve a problem but are stopped by the society from going ahead and having those opportunities especially in my country and then um after being a part of the advisory group i applied to be a board member and i was very fortunately given that opportunity and then specially specially focusing on young entrepreneurs again so today i sit on the board uh, representing minority groups representing persons with disability representing women and then representing uh, young entrepreneurs and i'm able to work for their youth forum which is actually coming up on 28th march i'm not sure if this podcast is going out before that but if it is you guys should definitely definitely attend uh, the youth forum it's all virtual it's completely free of cost but the forum is all about you know educating and enabling the young entrepreneurs who are thinking about social issues to start working on it to not worry about funding but then use third party platforms multiple revenue streams into building up a business no no matter how young they are they could be 12 years old 13 years old even younger but you know telling them that it is possible and that i uh, as a young entrepreneur myself am there to support them in their journey so i'm very grateful to be a part of this organization and having that capacity to interact and engage with entrepreneurs all around the world you have also been recognized for your work through prestigious awards you have been a recipient of the diana award and the world summit award and it is great to have this recognition in the field of entrepreneurship also this is women's history month and it is lovely to feature you on this podcast highlighting this month 
Surely, being an entrepreneur is not an easy journey, and that too, in particular, for a woman entrepreneur. So what would be something you would like to share with the individuals, especially women, who are trying to carve a space for themselves in entrepreneurship? Yeah, so definitely. A um, couple of things, some things I've already talked about, but number one, growing up, you know, my struggle was more about being a young entrepreneur than a women entrepreneur. But today, when I sit here after five and a half years, I realized that it's equally a difficult journey for both the groups. And uh, especially for women entrepreneurs, number one um, struggle that I do understand now better is that, you know, um, it is very easy for our, um, you know, for for others to be able to access spaces which are not that easily available for us because um, we don't see a lot of women representation. It has gotten better, but there are still times where you'll see events happening where you won't see that many women, um, you know, leadership or representation. And in the back of our heads, like, you know, not only, not in the back of our heads, that does impact us. Like if if I walk into a space and I see like more male as compared to female, it it does in the back of my head make me feel like, okay, um, how do I become a part of a group that's like surrounded by only men and have a conversation over there, right? Um, so I do understand the struggles with that. And I do remember there was a mentee of mine who was only allowed to go to a hackathon um, by her parents. She was only allowed to go if there were enough female representation over there. So I had to step in and talk to her parents and say that I am going to be there and I will take her with me. And that allowed her to be a part of that hackathon. She's brilliant and she was also facing that challenge. So I do understand and acknowledge that both for women entrepreneurs and young entrepreneurs, these kind of struggles exist. So I would not say that they don't. Um, some of us are privileged that, you know, our parents don't have that restrictions, but a lot of us do have that in our families or within ourselves, within our systems, within our comforts as well. So number one recommendations I would like to give to women out there would be to find allies, find your friends. These could be women allies, men allies. It's okay. Just connect with these people who could be, you know, your partner, your date to any of these events so that you feel confident to walk into these spaces. And if you are a women entrepreneur who has already, you know, reached the mark where you're confident enough and you don't care about the surroundings and the gatherings you're a part of, but you know another women entrepreneur who might be fearful, who might not be allowed, or who walks into a space and looks confused, reach out to them you know, bring them, in, bring them in, bring them as a part of conversation, you wouldn't even realize what sort of impact you create in their lives, even by a small conversation or even by a, a single introduction. So that's number, number one thing. Uh, the second thing would be to reach out, right? So it's not only about people coming to you, but then reaching out yourself. I remember uh, I absolutely uh, admired this um, this mentor of mine at Global Encounters who had traveled the world and had received all of the best opportunities, I would say. And I asked him, I was like, how are you part of so many different things? And he said that whenever I want to get an opportunity, right? 
I would reach out to them. And that means that if I find 50 people on LinkedIn who work in that particular organization, I would write to all of those 50 people on LinkedIn. I would write random emails with their names and try to reach out to them. And Azima, you would not believe that after so much trial, there would be this one person who would definitely get back to me. And I think that's a message that I learned back in like 2015 that has still stuck to me that if I want to be a part of an opportunity, if I want to achieve an opportunity, I would definitely reach out. I would use any source, any method of, you know, being a part of that opportunity and I would give it my best. It's not like when I do that, I always achieve the opportunities. I have had so many no's, so many rejections but that doesn't stop me from keep going on, right? And that has also taught me that if not one opportunity, there are 10 more that exist. So my recommendation to everyone, every women entrepreneur, every entrepreneur actually, youth, men, everyone would be to make your own space, reach out for opportunities, use as many ways as you can to make it happen. The third biggest learning for me and that I would like to pass on would be bootstrapping is real and it works. So don't always think that to start a new business, to start a new idea, you need like X amount of funding, you need VC capital, you need like, you know, a lot of different, you need hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can use the free opportunities, free platforms that you have. You can use uh, Facebook, Instagram to build your business, TikTok to build your business. You can use Canva, you know, if you can't afford to hire a graphic designer to on the get-go. So all of these free platforms exist. Use that. The correct and the right time to start your business is today, right? Like whenever you're thinking about an idea, start working on it. Don't think that I'm too young to do this. Whenever I'm done with um, high school, then I will do it. Kid you not, high school is the best time to pursue your ideas because you have so much free time. I wish I started it when I was in high school. So please use these um, free platforms, bootstrap, start your business idea today. Start from only making videos about it and you'll just see how much the community supports you, how much learning you get out of it and how your business just starts out of nowhere and turns into something so prominent the way you wanted it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Smiley Connection. If you'd like to connect with Azima Dhanji or learn more about any of the resources she mentioned, check out the show notes. And if you're enjoying the show so far, please give us a review and a five-star rating on the Apple or Google podcast apps. It takes less than five minutes to do that compared to the hours of work that goes into each podcast episode. So we'd be grateful for your time and support. We'd also love to hear your feedback. Reach out to us at ipnpodcast at ipnonline.net. This episode was produced by me and edited by the talented Kes Ali. Marketing for this episode was carried out by the stellar Amal Musa. Ali Zain and Dilshad Zaveri, our amazing relationship management team, were extremely instrumental in helping to research and report for this episode. Our cover art is designed by the skilled Shaquille Muhammad. Also, many thanks to Zoha Momin, the head of strategic initiatives at IPN.